Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. Asylum 49. Several months ago, we covered the haunting briefly, but tonight we dive head first into one of the most haunted hospitals in the world. Now Paratruth presents The Haunting of Asylum 49 with special guests Richard Estep and Cami Anderson. What's going on, Parafans? Welcome to another episode of Paratruth Radio right here on the Paratruth Radio Network. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. All right. Brand new week. Brand new show. Episode, rather. Uh... How's the week been so far? How's the uh, coming with the new script and all that good stuff? Well, it's coming along good. Uh, you know, you saw the script the other day. I sent it to a couple of people who are going to be working with me uh, on the script. It'd be one of my producers, uh, AD, who's also my AD, and uh, uh, my my production coordinator. And so, right now, based on what they saw in the script. They like it a lot more than the original that was written, which is great. Mm-hmm. I'm trying my best to bring a lot more dimension to the characters in this script and kind of pull people in a direction and then completely flip it out of them in the end. So we'll see. But so right are now, any of these people from the original crew that you had or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two of them are uh, maybe three once I talk to somebody else and then everyone else is going to be new. Okay. Uh, but I've got like six people I think lined up to work on it in October uh, which real quick here it would the exact day would be October probably 21st, 22nd and 23rd. Okay. Sweet. So, yep, yep, yep. How are you? New uh, writings? I'm almost finished with the one short story that's going to be going to the uh, Armageddon uh, anthology book that this company is coming out with. There's three of them. So I'm going for the second uh, installment of the anthology. So I'm hoping that they accept that. Uh, Shelley actually had suggested another short story to me, which I'll probably do as well, which I'll talk to you about a little bit um, after the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, everything's going awesome. I'm looking forward to getting these short stories out there and getting my name out there to start with before I am able to get the publishing company up and running and getting that my book published. So cool. Fingers crossed for all of it. I'm I'm really <laughs> happy that it's all coming together. Yeah. So all right, folks. This week on Pear Truth Radio. Like I said last week, we are keeping to the theme of ghosts for you guys since multiple times we've been told we want more ghosts. So this week we've got on Richard Estep and Cami Anderson. Both of them are going to be on with us today talking about the haunting of Asylum 49. And we actually talked to Richard about this uh, slightly when we had him on for the world's most haunted hospitals. But mm-hmm. him and Cammy decided to do a whole book on just that particular location because there was so much activity there. Right. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting show. So without further ado, I'm going to go to the line with Cammy and Richard. Richard and Cammy, welcome to Paratruth Radio. Richard, I should actually say welcome back to Paratruth Radio. Cammy, welcome to Paratruth Radio. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Doing terrific. Happy to be here. Awesome. So before we get started, Cammy, uh, we'll give you the chance to tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Richard, you have been on the show, so you, you know everybody knows who you are from introducing you from the first time. So Cammy, the floor is yours. Oh my goodness! All right. Well, I have been a paranormal investigator for about ten years, and I got lucky enough to become owner of a haunted hospital in Tooele, Utah, named Asylum 49, and have had the great pleasure of doing research there for the last decade. Awesome. Cool. Now, if you don't mind me asking, how exactly did you end up becoming so lucky to become the owner of Asylum 49? (laughs) Well, my husband, he started out um, at the hospital with a haunted house attraction. Um, that runs through the Halloween season. And at the time, he didn't know it was haunted. Um, I came on board as a paranormal investigator and a tour guide, and we got married, so then I became an owner. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did you guys get married in Asylum 49, or...? No. (laughs) (laughs) We probably should have, but we didn't. (laughs) So uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the history of Asylum 49? Let's see. Um, construction on the hospital started in 1949, which is where we got the name, Asylum 49. And it opened in 1953, and it shut down in about 2003. Okay. Um, it's just been the community hospital since then, and when we came on board, it had been abandoned for a few years. However, the nursing home that operates in the other side, and a portion of it, had done a few haunted houses, just kind of small ones, um, in the area where we do ours now. And we just kind of came on board to that and met some spirits, and that's that's kind of where we're at. Okay. Uh, now, Richard... The last time you were on, we talked a little bit about Asylum 49 uh, when we were covering your last book, uh, Roosevelt's Haunted Hospitals. 
Why did you decide that you wanted to create a whole separate book based on Asylum 49? Well, Haunted Hospitals was um, a very fun book to write, but it was a digest. You can only tell so much of a location's history uh, in one chapter. Right. So having visited Asylum 49 and looked at the backstory and spent some time investigating it, I quickly realized there was a lot more depth and scope to this particular haunting, and, and I thought that really it needed to be told in its own space, in its own book. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of something we had talked about uh, when you were on for the World of Haunted Hospitals, that you guys were actually going to start doing this book because there was so much activity there, especially. Uh, for, from both of you, and you guys can just take turns, what kind of activity did you guys come across doing investigations in Asylum 49? Ladies first. <laughs> Ladies first, okay. Um, well, originally when I went there, um, I'm not sure about everybody's background with um, the, doing investigations like yours, but um, when you're a paranormal investigator, you go into a location, and sometimes after a while you learn how it feels when there's something paranormal in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, we, when I first went... I didn't feel anything, and I thought, oh, this place isn't haunted. It's just a creepy old hospital. But when I got home and everybody in our team did their reviews, we had over 100 EVPs there. And that was what really started us on that road, me in particular, down this road of investigating and researching the hospital. Um, That was one of the first things, and after that it just snowballed into kids running up and down the halls, that you can't see, um, voices you could hear, and doors opening and closing. Um, oh, you name it, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I think for me, when, when I investigated, uh, the asylum was the peak of its activity because we moved in on Halloween week last year. So um, we have quite a wide range as well, including footsteps in empty rooms and hallways, um, the apparition of a young girl that I saw when I was walking through uh, the, the haunted attraction itself, mm-hmm. had a door slam on me very violently. Uh, we had an investigator that, that was pretty badly scratched on her back. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> well, now, you just said that, uh, that the hauntings at the time uh, around Halloween were at its peak. So does there tend to be more activity or less depending on the season? It tends well, to I, have more well, activity. Do you want to go ahead? Do you want to answer that, Richard? Did I cut you off? Oh, um, <laughs> oh you're, you no, you go ahead by all means. I was just going to say beforehand though that the first time I visited was in the spring and was very quiet. And when I went to Halloween, it was absolutely crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. And it just tends to have a little bit more activity um, with all the bodies going through because we have upwards in the thirty thousand range of people coming mm-hmm. through, and with the fear. Um, we believe that it generates a lot of uh, energy so that these spirits can manifest. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So, well, first thing I want to bring up is the fact that both Eric and I both said wow to both of the things that you guys talked about, the 100 EVPs, which Eric and I together didn't have 100 EVPs throughout our entire career as paranormal mm-hmm. investigators, yeah. <laughs> and to the fact that uh, somebody was scratched. So in the EVPs, were, were they mostly just garbled mess? Were there some very definitive? Uh, what was your take on those EVPs? A majority of them were fairly definitive. Obviously, we got some less quality ones, but um, and that's kind of typical for asylum where you can get a lot of Class A EVPs, mm-hmm. and you'll get first and last names sometimes, and just very, very clear and intelligent responses. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, Richard, did you have EVPs when you went there? You know, we did, and we had some live interactions using um, one of my preferred methods, the SB-11 Spirit Box, okay. which uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with it, but in case oh, yeah. any of your listeners aren't, it's, a, it's basically a radio scanner, isn't it, that hops from frequency to frequency. Right. And the, the theory is that spirits can kind of jump in to the white noise between frequencies and manifest audibly. Um, we had some very interesting activity outside Room 6, or as it's now called, Room 666, um, because this is, after all, a haunted house attraction. <laughs> and uh, it, 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 it started off by mocking me in the way that I spoke. It named several investigators that were standing there in the hallway outside the room. It got very sexually suggestive towards one of our female investigators and then started to become um, verbally abusive using a number of terms that we cannot use here on the show. So that was interesting, and that... That was the same session in which we believe um, one of our investigators sustained her scratches. Well, wow. Well, now, <clears throat> so far what I'm hearing is that there's some dark entities that don't like, they, they play a little rough. Now, are the majority of the entities that you've come across all seem pretty dark, uh, mischievous, or do you guys come across so-called patients or, you know, human spirits that happen to be lurking around? Um, we have a little bit of everything. Um, we have mm-hmm. kids, and we haven't been able to find them in history. We have people that we've been able to find in history that were patients that lived and died there. Um, we also have some people that we've been able to find that worked there. And then we have the regular coming and goings of just kind of passers-by. <laughs> okay. And you come to that conclusion just from the EVPs and, and everything like that? Right, from EVPs and doing some research and word of mouth of people that have actually, um, who know the people that are, that we've come across. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and some of them, you, you t- when you start talking about dark entities, um, I kind of like to shy away from those a little bit because a lot of times people are frightened just by paranormal activity and a lot of times they're just people. They're just people who are a little bit grumpy, who want to get your attention and things like that. Well, and, I mean, Eric and I have done paranormal investigations, and, you know, we, we've seen a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't think any of us have ever been scratched or anything, at least not myself. I've been touched, but never mm-hmm. scratched. So it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. Um, right. But uh, we, before we go any further, uh, I'm going to go to our first break here, folks. You've been listening to Paratruth Radio right here on the Paratruth Radio Network. We're talking to Cami Anderson and Richard Estep about their book, The Haunting of Asylum 49. We will be right back after 
Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Did you know that the largest sea evacuation in the U.S. happened on 9-11? According to Factslides.com, almost 500,000 people got evacuated by boat in less than nine hours. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we've been talking to Cami Anderson and Richard SF about the book The Haunting of Asylum 49. Now, guys, before we went to break, we were talking about, you know, what what these spirits are doing and what you would define them as good spirits, bad spirits, what have you. Now, again, this is a question for both of you guys. Why do you guys think that uh, Asylum 49 is so haunted? Richard, I'll let you go ahead and take that one. Oh, thank you, ma'am. Um, my theory on it is that you have all of the the necessary ingredients for a haunting right there. You have a, a location with a great deal of emotional history, and we know that where one finds history, one finds ghosts. Mm-hmm. You know, a hospital is... And I think we talked about this when I was last on the show, how a hospital is the stage for all of life's drama, isn't it? Good right. and bad. You know, you have extreme happiness, extreme sadness, joy, pain, misery, all those kind of things. Um, it just so happens also the hospital is next to the town cemetery. It's co-located with the town cemetery. Um, and then there's this final factor, I think, the fact that every Halloween season, you have tens of thousands of people. Over 30,000 is the last number that um, the Andersons gave me last year. They're all coming through and they're excited. They're thinking about ghosts. They're thinking about... Um, spirits. They're wanting to get scared. That's what they're paying good money for, for that experience. And I think that emotional energy acts as a battery, almost a capacitor. The energy can be used by the genuine spirits of Asylum 49 to manifest. Okay. <clears throat> well, now, as people are walking through the attraction, have anyone, have any of them come out and said that they've been attacked by something unseen, or do they pretty much, do the spirits pretty much leave them alone as they're walking through? Well, nobody said they've really been attacked, um, but they have had, um, I have had a lot of uh, claims of people being led through by children, a little girl in particular, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden she'll disappear. They'll have her by the hand and she'll be saying help me find my mom and all of a sudden she'll be gone wow. and Richard had a really interesting experience with that also <laughs> yeah yeah I actually saw this happen um, which and I'm still kicking myself to this day because I did not have my camera out when it happened but uh, I, I saw a young girl who looked very real very solid um, although dressed in more of an olden style dress um, and she was pulling a lady through one of the rooms of the haunted house. This was on Halloween night, uh, just after 11 o'clock. Um, and I had asked uh, Cammy if it was okay if I went through as a customer, you know, just to get that same experience. Mm-hmm. Because you really haven't lived until you've been chased by a clown wielding a chainsaw, <laughs> I think. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> My Fitbit told me that it didn't think my heart rate could go that high. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I thought that this uh, 
this young girl pulling the, this very reluctant looking lady through from one room into another. I thought it was one of the actresses, uh, because there were some very young actresses in, in the asylum. Um, I thought it was just an actress, and, and I mentioned it to Kim and Cammy afterwards when I'd come through and said, wow, she's kind of young, and they said, mm, you, you're not describing somebody who works here. Wow. <laughs> I, I, think you, I think you ran into one of our child spirits. And I said, no, this is, this is kind of crazy. I, I know what I saw. She was absolutely physically real. And so they said, look, we have this thing called the green room, which is where all of the performers hang out afterwards, you know, and have a soda and chat and, and get their makeup off and those kind of things. They said, nobody left yet because we just closed down. Why don't we take you to the green room? You tell us if you can spot this girl. Mm-hmm. So they took me in there, and then this, this child was not in there. I checked every face. And so I thought, okay, well, obviously then it's a customer. Somebody brought their seven, eight-year-old kid along. And then I was told, no, that's a little young for what we do here. We tend not to allow. You don't have kids that young as customers, do you, Cammie? <laughs> not generally, no. It's a full con- contact haunted house, so oh, okay. it's a little bit more um, rest than that age. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so that explanation didn't work either. This girl should not have been in there, and I know what I saw. And I still kick myself to this day because for 20 years I've listened to people, witnesses, I've interviewed them, and they say the same thing. I I had no idea I was looking at a ghost, otherwise I would have taken a photograph. And I've always been kind of dismissive of that, and I'm like, oh, come on, really? And I had my iPhone in my pocket all that time, and if I'd had the slightest glimmer, I would have taken it out and snapped pictures. Right. So I joined that uh, that group of individuals that <laughs> did not know what they were looking at at the time. <laughs> and it's funny that you bring up the clown with a chainsaw because clowns are probably one of my biggest fears of all time. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should totally go. Yeah, you have a whole clown maze there now, don't you, Cammy? You guys. Oh, <laughs> we do. We have a very big maze. It's like a big top. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny that you guys have done a uh, Halloween haunted house with this because there is a place here, uh, Fort Abraham Lincoln, um, that is haunted. The the Custer House, the house that General Custer actually stayed in while he was here, uh, is supposedly haunted by his ghost. And there are a couple of other houses because they were their old houses are supposedly haunted. So it's interesting, and they do haunted haunted houses there every year. It's it's yeah. just weird that you think, well, it's already haunted, but let's go one step further. Let's do a haunted house theme inside of the haunted house. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yep. so Cammie, what kind of got you started in the paranormal? I mean, you've been doing it for 10-plus years. What got you right. actually started or interested in it? Well, my very best friend, Kathy Blank, and she loves it when I mention her name. <laughs> she um, <laughs> she has been involved in paranormal experiences throughout her life. She has, she's a little bit of a sensitive. Um, and she kind of got me started in it. It was an interest that I thought would be really fascinating to pursue. And we went out and we started doing some of the, um, just the local areas where you can go and just, investigate if you want to we did some of the places where they let you come in and investigate and the asylum was one of those it actually in the beginning of my um, stint as a paranormal investigator and so we kind of started out um, at the top 
Oh. But now, <clears throat> Richard, in the book, uh, you guys talk about a dark entity named the Guardian. Tell me a little bit about this Guardian and why he's named the Guardian. Well, I actually think um, the name is a little bit misleading. Um, and I'm not sure who gave him that name, but here's why. The, the name Guardian to me implies somebody who protects. Right. Uh, that's at least the way I understand it. And he's very much the opposite. He's not into protecting people. He's into protecting their secrets. And based upon interactions that the, the investigators have had at Asylum 49, he liked in life anyway to um, pry into people's private business, their personal affairs, and he would get information that would give him leverage over them. He was supposed to be an employee at the, the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in death, he, he's very much a bully. He's very much, um, he likes to intimidate, particularly females. And it's it's his part of the, the hospital that tends to draw some of the more negative energies, and it's where people tend to have the more negative interactions. Mm-hmm. Well, I know now sometimes that when these negative entities do come out and start causing trouble, uh, there's paranormal investigators who will go out of their way to try to get quest- ask questions and find out why exactly the entity is being uh, as malicious as it's being, assuming it's a human spirit and not demonic. Uh, so has anyone come forward and said, or have either of you two even tried to ask those questions to the spirit and find out what exactly is driving it? Yes, we actually have. We've tried, um, we're pretty lucky about communications with the spirits at the hospital. They are very vocal. They do like to communicate. But um, the spirit who we call the guardian, he doesn't really like to talk very much. Mm-hmm. He'll just say really, just be very snide um, or just play with the equipment that you have and not do anything um, real concrete as far as answers go. Mm-hmm. But he'll have EMF meters or any of those equipments just pegged clear up the whole time. And he'll just sit there and mess with those. And, and you kind of, he makes you chase him around. So you'll sit there and you'll think, okay, well, here's something. Um, let's figure out what's here. And after a while, we noticed that it was just him kind of playing a little cat and mouse game with us. So mm-hmm. he doesn't say too much, but he did, did say he's the guardian. And he did say he's guarding secrets. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It almost makes you wonder for, you know, what, what secrets he's guarding. It's kind of <laughs> odd. Um, yeah, we've tried to find that, but he hasn't spilled the beans on it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I was flipping through the book here, and uh, the one picture I come across is the nurse costumes that are used in the haunted house, but you had come across a an actual entity of a, a ghostly nurse. Is that right, Cammie? Yes, I have. Um, and there's actually a few of them. Um, one of the ones that I think that you're talking about, is it the one with the full face cover? Right. Yeah. So those are um, kind of... Have you guys ever seen Silent Hill? Yes. yes. With the, yeah, with the nurses. So those were... Our version of that. We didn't, you know, we have kids doing the haunted house. We didn't want to make the costumes too revealing or anything like that. Oh, so, right. um, yeah, so that's our version of it. And we had those set up in a room during a haunted house one year, which is just, it was really cool. There were some real nurses, um, live people, and then there were some um, just dummies who were 
kind of on these stands that when you hit it, it, it acted like a spring and kind of bounced them around. Mm-hmm. And the lighting in that area was a strobe light, so it made everything look very, very jerky and twitchy like like a grudge action. Mm-hmm. And um, during that time, there was... That wasn't really where I was acting. I was just filling in for a part that one night because there was nobody there. They were all sick and went home. So we were short a nurse, and I volunteered to hop in and, and take that spot. And one of the things about um, strobe lights is if you're in that area with the strobe too long, you'll get headaches. Some people get nauseous. Um, it's just very disorienting. So what we would do is a group would come through, and after they'd left the area, we'd go and sit out in the hall where there wasn't a strobe light, just so we could reduce that effect. And I was in there, and we were getting ready to go out. A group came through, went and walked out to the hall, and in front of me was one of the nurses, and she was walking really very slow, her head popped to the side, um... And I thought to myself, oh, no, another actor is sick, and she's probably going to be going home. We're going to be short another actor. And I was just waiting very patiently to get out of the room. And I reached up and moved the curtain aside that we had separating the rooms. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, where is that nurse? I, I moved the curtains aside. Nobody moved the curtain aside in front of me. And at that moment, I realized, oh, my goodness. That wasn't one of the actors. That was a spirit. (laughs) 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 It was a little bit nerve-wracking at first because I was, she was just, her walk was very, very creepy. (laughs) 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 I'm glad I didn't know at the time that it was a spirit, but (laughs) again, like Richard, I didn't have my camera and I wish I had. The walk was worse or better than your actor's? It was way worse. It was very scary. I'm like, wow, I should take notes from this the spirit here. <laughs> Give them a raise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Now, these hauntings have been going on for years. And in both your research and in your investigations, have you come across any of the spirits who have claimed why exactly they're still haunting this particular asylum? I haven't really gotten any of why's. That's one of the things that um, we can speculate on. We've had some interesting things happen where we can just draw, you know, a theory from. Um, we've had some spirits who've been able to contact some family members and clear up some issues that they've had. Um, and then we've never heard from them again. So we wonder at times if maybe they were there because somehow in the grand scheme, they knew that their family member was coming. They knew they'd been struggling, um, and they were there to hopefully come across and and communicate a message. Others, we've we've thought they're just there, like um, Peter Hansford that we found in history. He gave us his first and last name in a... EVP, and we've been able to find him and we've talked to some of his family members, and he was a radiology tech. Hmm. And they said he just really loved his job, and he comes back, we assume, because he just loved his job and wants to come back and say hi. Hmm. Good hypothesis, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's not definitely for sure because you probably won't know until we're right. on the other side ourselves. But you know, it's something we can go off of. Right. So from the investigation that you guys did, and this is a question for either of you or both, did you guys ever come across like high EMF coming off of outlets, walls, anything that would cause people to feel like they're being haunted, but it's not really activity, it's just the the high EMF fields in the area? Well, one thing I'll mention is that there is a room which acts as a fear cage, if you're familiar with that term, uh, where you have very high levels of EMF naturally. So there are those areas throughout the um, throughout the hospital in, in occasion. Okay. But then you have the... Uh, we do know that medically speaking, high EMF levels do make the brain hallucinate. They can induce nausea, vomiting, feelings of uh, illness, fatigue, those kind of things. Right. But there are also uh, those theories that say EMF levels also act as a source of energy for genuine paranormal activity to manifest. Right. So finding high levels of EMF do offer you a, a kind of mundane, non-paranormal explanation, while at the same time opening the door to the possibility that they are a power source for genuinely paranormal activity too. Well, now, I was doing some research and I do happen to watch a lot of the uh, uh, the ghost shows on television. And so if I'm not mistaken, there's a time in which the ghost adventure showed up uh, to do an investigation at Asylum 49. And in, and in one of the scenes, uh, and on several, because Zach Bagans, he loves provoking, uh, he went out of his way to provoke a spirit. Now, is that something that you guys both kind of push and like doing is provoking or do you kind of stand away from that and kind of let things happen I don't like to do the provoking um, I feel that spirits are, are the same as you and I they just don't have a body um, mm-hmm. so I respect them as much as I would anybody else um, but you do do things from time to time that will try to stimulate <clears throat> some kind of response um, and it, not not to the extent, <clears throat> excuse me, that that um, Zach does. Right. Um, but there are some things that you know you can try with like trigger objects and different tactics like that. Mm-hmm. What about you, Richard? I, I think Cammy put it very well. Stimulation to me is acceptable. I don't like to provoke, but mm-hmm. I'm willing to stimulate. Um, and that might include something like um, dressing up in period clothing or playing radio and music tunes. When I investigated Waverly Hills, for example, we played music from the era in which um, Waverly Hills was most densely populated as a sanatorium. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of evoke memories of an era by, by doing certain things. But with a few rare exceptions, uh, one of them being The Guardian, actually, but with a few rare exceptions, I am not one for yelling and screaming and being disrespectful if it can be avoided. Right. I think we're all on the same page with that because Eric and I have come to the, the conclusion from all of our investigations that doing provoking, I mean, you're not the one that's staying there after the investigation is over. These people, whether it's a business or a home, have to sit there and deal with the crap, for lack of a better word, that you stirred up doing your provoking. So I commend both of you for for staying away from that. Um, well, and, and as Cammy pointed out, it's just it's just plain not nice. You wouldn't do this to a stranger 
uh, in a physical body, why would you do it to a discarnate one? Well, some people right. might. <laughs> <laughs> but then they're just a bully, and they're going to be a bully in the afterlife as well. So, Right. Um, so one thing that uh, Eric had brought up, you know, uh, he had talked about if you guys have come across some maybe benign spirits and some good spirits, have you ever had the feeling of either either side, uh, dread or uh, just calmness when you're doing the investigation? What what are your feelings when you're doing the investigation of Asylum 49? Um, as far as me, I've experienced both. Um, at, there's been times where I've had those definite fight-or-flight responses where I just need to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I've had those feelings of not just calm, but even love. In fact, the other night we, we had an investigation, and it had been a while since I had talked to some of the kids. And they were they came across and were talking, and just I love the kids to death. They're just so very sweet, and they communicate, and they like to play, and... Um, they're just very close to my heart, and there was a big, overwhelming feeling of love in that area. So I don't know if it was because of my emotions to them or if it was because they hadn't been around in that one area for a while because we've been very, very busy um, building sets for the haunted house and getting ready to open here in a couple weeks. And um, so we hadn't sat down and talked to them for a while. So it was nice. <laughs> Richard, how about yourself? Um, I've experienced some interesting emotions in Asylum 49. I've watched some of my fellow investigators do that also. The strange thing, as far as I'm concerned, is I feel drawn to go back. And partly that's, that's something to do with the, the sense of family that there is in Asylum 49. And my team and I were both made not only very welcome, but kind of inducted into that family as long-distance cousins, you know, or whatever you want to call it. So I feel very... Um, protective of the place and and the people that work there and I feel quite happy wandering its corridors except uh, on the one occasion when I had a door slam pretty violently behind me mm-hmm. uh, while I was walking back from the security room that did uh, induce more than that, a little fear well I'm <laughs> sure that would scare the, the crap out of anybody so <laughs> yeah I discovered what shirt tails were for <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, now, Richard, you said a while ago at the beginning of the show that you, the first time you'd gone was in the spring, and there was really mm-hmm. no activity whatsoever. Uh, so what exactly was it that did draw you back? Was it the building itself? Was it just the people around there that you wanted to go back? Or I know a lot of people who just, you know, if there's not much activity, they're like, all right, well, that was a bust. They're not going back there. So, <laughs> Right. Well, I think the main thing was that when I went, um, and it was a long drive, and I took two fellow investigators, Jason Fellow and Sean Rice, with me, um, but we were shown the archive of EVPs and photographs that uh, have been gathered over the years at Asylum 49, many of which you can see online at the Asylum 49 website, and I encourage you to go take a look and listen to yourselves. And, and as I delved into those and heard the um, uh, eyewitness testimony from the people that had worked there, I, I realized that, wow, there is some pretty compelling evidence there. And just because I didn't encounter any of it myself, I'd gone off-season. The place was pretty much abandoned and deserted when I uh, when I went in with my two colleagues. And, and Tim and Cammie said, you know, you need to come here at the height of the energy when we have 
tens of thousands of people coming through because that's when this place is crawling with paranormal activity. And it made sense to me. Yeah. Okay. So, doing in the, vest- the investigations that you guys have, and this is for both of you, uh, other than Asylum 49, has there been any places that you guys done that stick out in your mind, uh, compare- even comparing it to Asylum 49, the, the activity-wise? Oh, boy. Um, as far as Asylum 49 goes, for me um, and other places, I really, I think probably my favorite investigation was done in uh, old mine okay. um, that was that was a lot of fun there was it was very very fascinating to hear um, conversations coming down in a, a corridor that we couldn't get get to um, and then there was a, a, a old theater in Idaho that I did that was very very fascinating I watched a hand materialize out of thin air and just sat there floating. It was the weirdest thing. As if it was attached to a body, but there was no body attached to it that you could see. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> All right, Richard, and yourself? Well, if you made me say, if you made me put my hand on my heart and say, what's my favorite case in my career, even though it's my latest book, Asylum 49 would probably be it. You know, okay. um, because it, it is the real deal. It has it's an all round package. Um, my last case, or at least my last, um, no, I should say my last major case, was an old witch's prison uh, in England called the Cage, which I moved into for a week with three other investigators, and that place was extremely active as well. They had much more of a tragic history than Asylum Forty Nine, and it was of course a history that went back over centuries, not mm-hmm. decades. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Cool. <clears throat> All right, well, folks, we're going to take our second break of the evening. You're listening, you're listening to Paratruth Radio. We will be right back after Justin's Paranormal Headlines. And now, Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. How's it going, para-fans? Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines, and these headlines are from unexplainedmysteries.com. Can M-Drive take us to Mars in 70 days? NASA's mysterious electromagnetic propulsion engine has managed to pass a rigorous peer review process. First developed back in 2001 by aerospace engineer Roger Shire, M-Drive allegedly works by converting electrical power into thrust without the need for propellant through a process that scientists argue is in direct violation of the laws of physics. A potentially revolutionary piece of technology, the engine could significantly reduce the time it takes to reach other worlds and make it possible for humans to get to Mars in under three months. According to sources at NASA, a paper detailing the design and build of the mysterious engine has passed a rigorous peer review process and is set to be published in the near future. One of the biggest mysteries surrounding M-Drive is its apparent ability to produce thrust without producing any sort of exhaust, something that conventional physics deems impossible, and a conundrum that has led some scientists to suggest that we simply lack the means with which to adequately measure whatever exhaust is actually being produced by it. 
The authors of the new paper, however, suggest that the reason the engine doesn't appear to be producing any exhaust is because the photons coming out of it are interfering with one another. In the cavity, the input photons will bounce back and forth, and invariably some of them will interfere completely destructively, they wrote. Then the two photons will be exactly 180 degrees out phase. Whether this adequately explains all of the M-Drive's peculiarities, however, remains to be seen. Thylacine, allegedly caught on camera. A rather shaky video filmed in Adelaide Hills earlier this year allegedly shows a live Tasmanian tiger. Believed to have been wiped out by intensive hunting practices, this shy nocturnal animal, which looks a bit like a dog, has long remained a topic of debate and intrigue, thanks to unconfirmed sightings across Australia of what some believe to be Tasmanian tigers still surviving in the wild. The last known thylacine in captivity was an individual named Benjamin, which died of neglect 80 years ago at Hobart Zoo in Tasmania, Australia, after being held captive there for three years. Although it was thought that some thylacines may have managed to survive in the wild for several decades afterwards, by 1982 authorities had declared the species officially extinct. This hasn't stopped people from continuing to report sightings of the animals, however. The latest such report, which hails from Adelaide Hills on the Australian mainland, centers around video footage of a dog-like animal with black stripes which was spotted outside some houses. We believe our footage to be footage of a small thylacine moving around through the Adelaide Hills, said amateur researcher Neil Water of the Thylacine Awareness Group. You can see the body of the animal. It does appear to have some sort of dark discoloration which may or may not be stripes. It has a long, stiff, pointy tail. Where the tail connects to the body is very wide at the base, which is typical of the thylacine. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's up, folks? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we are talking with Richard Estep and Kemi Anderson on the book The Haunting of Asylum 49. Now, it's unfortunate, but we are at the end of the show here, guys. And so what we want to do is give each of you a moment to just kind of 
plug anything you'd like to plug. I'm sure you want to plug the book and any upcoming stuff. Uh, but Richard, why don't we start with you? Um, well, I love to interact with uh, readers um, and just general paranormal enthusiasts online. So come visit me on my website, www.richardestep.net. That's richardestep.net. Come say hello. Um, and let me know what you think of the books. Let me know what your interest in the paranormal is. be great to see you. My next um, scheduled visit is a return to Asylum 49 over the Halloween period this year. Uh, and Tammy and I will be already, I think, working on our next book in this series because there is more to be told. Awesome. All righty. And Cammie? Um, you can also find me on Facebook. Um I have also a Twitter, and I have an Instagram and a Snapchat, all that fun stuff. Um, you can go to Asylum49.com and see more about the hospital. And I have a website in construction that is not up yet, but it will be CammyAnderson.com. And like Richard, I'm happy to interact and communicate and talk and shoot the breeze. Cool. And, of course, October's coming up, so come visit the Haunted Attraction, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, September 16th is our opening night. Awesome. Wish I could go, but <laughs> I'm kind of in North Dakota, so it's kind of a little bit far mm-hmm. away. <laughs> So, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'm so happy that you guys were able to make it. And if you guys uh, get that next book done, I'm more than happy to get you guys both on again. And good luck to you guys both in the future, and we'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Have a good night, guys. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 All right, folks, that was Richard Estep and Cami Anderson, author of The Haunting of Asylum 49. Ooh. <laughs> awesome guy, I uh, guess. Richard has been on a couple times now and never ceases to amaze us with the the answers that he gives. Uh, what were what was your thoughts on on the the information they gave? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, you, you know, I was thinking about all kinds of stuff as we were talking about <laughs> the dark entities and whatnot, right? And of course. You know, we all know my perspective. And so I just have to say, like, you know, we're going to have we have guests on who believe that there are human spirits and who believe that there are demonic spirits, who believe that there are only human spirits and who believe there are only demonic spirits. Uh, you know, Justin is one who believes in both. Right. Uh, and I, I believe the same for both Richard and Cammie. Um, one thing that I think is important uh, that, that everyone should know um, is that at one point during the show, we... I had brought up the dark entities and Kemi had mentioned that she doesn't like to really discuss the dark ones or, you know, mention it to people because, you know, it's scary enough. The fact that the, that the place is haunted and stuff, you know, right. Uh, but I do think, uh, just as a general sense for our listeners, it's important that you do your research and see what exactly is going on because a dark entity, whether you're told about it or not, can still latch onto you, can still affect you, can still oppress and afflict. And, it's always safe to know what exactly is going on in any particular building that you're investigating, if you're investigating, uh, or even if you're just going, you know, to a, uh, a haunted attraction, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's all fun, especially at a place that's haunted as Psalm 49. You know, it's something you need to be careful about. Uh, some people, and you know, you're going to go in there with baggage, if you will. Uh, I know that sounds a little harsh, but there's a lot of things going on in our lives, and the right person 
at the wrong moment can walk in there and suddenly be attacked or have a spirit attached to them. And you're stuck with it, and you got to find a way to get rid of it. And so I think it's just important uh, to remember that some of these entities, uh, especially the Guardian, for example, for example, I think for me, just based on what we heard, I mean, it's interesting. It's a malicious spirit. It's dark. It has secrets. It won't tell the secrets. It doesn't respond uh, to questions. A lot of that sounds very demonic. You know, the right. demons often will be uh, very oppressive and yet be very quiet at the same time. Um, so, so it's just, it's just you know, I'm just throwing something out there. Just be thought. careful. Yeah, food for thought. Just be careful. Uh, if you're doing any investigations, but um, you know, besides that, I you know, Richard is awesome as always. Cammy's great speaker. I love talking to her. It was really yeah. cool uh, to get her side of everything, and you know, being the owner and just seeing or hearing, I should say, uh, what sh- what she's gone through as an investigator and as an owner of Asylum Forty Nine. Uh, you know, there's some there's a lot of paranormal activity it seems going on there, uh, and I. I know you too. You know, we would love to go up <laughs> yeah. there at some point. Yeah. Uh, and who knows? Maybe sometime in the future, we'll 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 see what what happens. But um, yeah, I don't know. What about you, man? I I I loved both of them. Uh, Richard is always a great guest. Cammy brought it just as much as he did, and she was she was very funny. So that added to it. And you know, you brought up you know the whole demonic spirits or. or dark spirits attaching themselves to people in the mainstream view i mean people believe that human spirits attach to you when you're doing an Mm -hmm. investigation and and leave with you as well so regardless of what you believe as eric said please be careful because Mm -hmm. you can bring stuff home with you and it can get very oppressive especially if it's a a demonic spirit or, or a dark spirit and that's just not something you want around your 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 home, especially if you have young children. Right. And one thing that I've never asked, I don't think any of the investigators that we've had on is about, you know, there are these teams of kid investigators or people that bring kids on investigations with them. To mm-hmm. me, is a huge no-no. Like, I would never bring a kid on a paranormal investigation, and I... Right. I have a lose a lot of respect for people that do and mm-hmm. the reason for that is is kids are innocent and if they truly are demon spirits as eric believes the demons are going to attach themselves to that innocence and break it down mm-hmm. well when you look at uh paranormal Activity as a whole, in, in regards to uh, activity at family homes, for example, many times over these hauntings revolve around the child uh, as opposed to the adults in the house. True. Uh, you know why? Why is that exactly? There's a number of different reasons that people will throw out there, and some of them link together. Some of them are completely just you know standalone. But the fact is, and I think it's pretty common for paranormal investigators to say, whether whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian or whatever, I think everyone will agree that children are much more susceptible to spirit attacks. And I'm going to I'm saying spirit just to be broad, uh, but the spirit attacks, uh, 
simply based on the fact that they haven't been around as long as us adults have been. We're not as cl- they're not as closed out to the world around us or to paranormal activity and so on and so forth. You know, I think as adults, uh, most adults who aren't into the paranormal, you know, investigation scene or the paranormal scene in general. I think they're very closed out to what the spirit realm is. And so they don't often see hauntings or see spirits and this and that. Mm-hmm. But children, you know, they, they have wild, wild imaginations. And I think often uh, when they claim to see something or hear something, their parents just kind of put it off as, oh, it's just a wild imagination. But it could very much be something much more sinister than that. So, uh, yeah, you know, I agree with you. Taking kids on... Uh, at least under the age of 16, I think is kind of dangerous. I know some people say, oh, you know, 12 or 13 is fine, but, uh, I think you need to at least be a teenager and know something about the paranormal. Uh, but there's people going out that are like 10 years old and. Yeah. It, it's, it, I think 16 is too young too. I think, well, you know, yeah. this should be like in your 20s by the time you even decide to go out doing stuff. Uh, because even as a teen, you're very susceptible. Do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, think about it. It's the teenagers. It's rebellion years. Uh, there were years where uh, they want to pretty much try anything and everything, depending on who they are, how they're raised, so on and so forth. So, getting into the paranormal uh, scene and going out and doing investigations keep leave them prone to plenty of attacks and being influenced in ways that you know parents don't really want them influenced. So, right. yeah, I agree with you, man. Well, and that that's just kind of why I brought it up, because I don't think you or I have ever mentioned that to any of the investigative guests that we've had on or have even really touched base on it when we talk mm-hmm. about our own investigations. So it's just something to throw out there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's Asylum 49, guys. Uh, if you liked the show if you want to throw your two cents in definitely let us know hit us in the comments on Spreaker or on youtube as well as you know we're always on our email paratruthradio@gmail.com, or you can comment on the websites or contact us through the websites as well if you're more comfortable doing that mm-hmm. um one thing i want to touch on and this is going to be a little bit of a rabbit trail here, is hey for just one of the, of the yeah. show. Nice job. Yeah, good for us. <laughs> Is uh, there? There's a situation going on here in North Dakota. Uh, of Dakota um, Access Pipeline is trying to put a pipeline through the under the Missouri River. There's a protest, or they call themselves protectors, uh, at the site, and, and there are a lot of Native Americans there, but there's also, uh, you know races or ethnicities of every kind there protesting this and there's a lot of stuff that's getting mixed up in the loop and you know i it grinds my gears when people just see one side of the story and jump to that side um i encourage you guys to look at both mainstream and non-mainstream news on this before you guys jump to conclusions on this because Mainstream media, first and foremost, this has been going on since the end of April, and they're just now hopping onto the bandwagon for this. Secondly, they're only going to report the news that's going to have upheaval in the society. They're going to cause chaos and confusion and just make 
people hate each other even more than they already do. And, you know, on the same side of it, if you're doing the research on the opposite side, I encourage you to look at the whole picture. Now, granted, me personally, I come from a view of, you know, mainstream media is not the media to go with. And a lot of the stuff they are reporting is not what is really happening. For example, today there was a report that the natives here had done graffiti on the pipeline's equipment and were hanging all over it. Well, the graffiti was actually started by a congresswoman. And now everybody is up in upheaval because it was reported that the protesters and everybody's thinking it's just the Native Americans, there are other protesters out there, they're thinking that they're the ones that did that. And um, another thing that happened was there was an attack by security on the people there where dogs were released. These are not even properly trained attack dogs. These are dogs that layman people trained to attack. They have no... uh, police force uh, experience behind them. And these dogs not only attacked the protesters, they attacked the animals that were out there, wildlife, horses. They attacked their owners because they were so confused and scared. They attacked children. They attacked a a pregnant woman. And the, the, the security people actually maced children. And to me, in my opinion, I I don't care if these kids are getting uppity, which I don't think they were at all. Macing a child is is just ridiculous. It's the most uncalled for thing I've ever heard of. So I do encourage you guys to look into this, especially this specific topic, because actually a couple of people, uh, a friend of mine um, from Paranormal Forum, Debbie, she posted about it. Another writer friend posted about it. Uh, so I do encourage you guys to look into this and come to your own conclusion, whatever conclusion you want to come to. But I want you guys to, to see both sides of the picture before you make your, your decision. Um, have you heard anything about this or your thoughts on just on my comments at all? Yeah, I heard a little bit about it. It's on Facebook. Uh, all kinds of places, uh, and not just the stuff that you or Shelly post. It's there's, there's just a bunch of posts on Facebook by all kinds of different people. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, just your view on the media because that's pretty much all I could do because I don't really know a ton about it mm-hmm. about the particular subject. But the view about the media, you know, the media, mainstream media, I guess, uh, you'll notice throughout time that they really that they really focus on. Uh, Creating diversity within the country, uh, bringing bad news instead of good news, uh, being just incredibly ignorant to the facts and to the truth. And it's unfortunate, but the way that our current situation is in the country, uh, no matter what it is, it's all based on the media because they only give you one side of the story. And that side of the story is always the bad side. That's why there's race tension here because it's always white against black. You know, it's always going to be uh, this person's fault and not that person's and this and that and so on and so forth. It's just, it's incredible. You know, it's, it's all the police and it's not, 
the, these innocent citizens. But, you know, I think it's true. You need to look at different perspectives. The problem is it's very difficult to find the non-mainstream, I guess, news media because you never news. yeah the alternative news because you never know what news is true and what news is fake. Uh, if you're coming from news from like ABC or you know something like that or Fox, then yeah, you know it's you know it's actual news is being published. But if you're trying to find news in another source, make sure it's credited. Make sure it's a legit source. Make sure it's dated. Make sure it's got an author behind it, et cetera, et cetera, uh, so that you know you're getting the right facts. Because there's a lot of so-called news networks out there that post stuff on Facebook uh, that just aren't real. They're just fakes. Uh, and they purposely do that stuff just to get ratings. So just be careful when you're looking into the media. Make sure you have your facts right. Uh but yeah, you know, I know a little bit about this whole situation, and you know, I think it's a messed up situation. I, I saw the video of the pepper spray the other day. Yeah, uh, you know, and it, sh- it sucks, man. Well, the me, Shelly, and I went down to the, the Sacred Stone camp where most of the, the people are staying and what have you. And this will be my final thought on this. I didn't get a sense of any type of animosity at all. They're angry, but they're more angry in the sense of sadness because the pipeline actually dug up grave sites when they were supposed to be holding off for two weeks while uh, this was in deliberation. And, you know, this is sacred land to these people. If it is or truly isn't sacred land, neither of us, these people believe it is. Um, so I, it, it just aggravates me when people jump on the bandwagon of, oh, you know, these natives are, are bad people. You know, they're the reason that this is all happening because they're protesting and they're doing bad things to the, the pipelines. That, it, th- that's not even, True. I mean, there there might be some extreme people out there that that might do something, but mm-hmm. as far as we came across, I don't think there was a single person out there that was out there to harm anybody or harm harm the construction uh, equipment, anything like that. So, right. I do encourage you guys to to look this up. It is a, a becoming a big thing, and actually, it was going to the Supreme Court. Uh, the judge decided to get on the horn with all the bigwigs and be- said, it's time to bring this to Washington. We need to get this taken care of. So I do commend that judge for taking it upon herself to actually help and try and get this resolved. Right. Hope and pray for a uh, peaceful resolve at that. Yeah. And for, you know, everybody out there, the families... You know, even the construction people pray that that they are safe and that it all comes to a, a good conclusion. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. All right, folks, time to get off of my soapbox. Uh, next week we are going to be talking about the dark side of the moon, and you know this is a a conspiracy theory, and you know you guys know Eric and I don't usually cover, but one that is very interesting, and we decided to to look it through. <coughs> And the week after that is Project Blue Book, which actually is a 
somewhat common knowledge because they've declassified some of the the reports, but how much they truly declassified, who knows. So that's, I think, all we got this week. Uh, Any news or anything that you need to share? Um, Yeah, real quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, September 6th, 5th, September 15th, 16th, and 17th, folks. Uh, for those of you who are in the Virginia area or around the Virginia area and want to go to Lynchburg, uh, Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, there is going to be a film festival there. Uh, you'll be able to see my film revealed, uh, premiered there, well, will be premiered there. Uh, and there's going to be a, a uh, line discussion, uh, basically where there's people going to be coming in from around the country to talk about film. Uh, one of those people happened to be the producer of uh, all of the, the – uh, Final Destination films. Oh, so if you're okay. interested in that kind of stuff, you know, it's free of charge. Uh, the 15th, 16th, and 17th, Lynchburg, Virginia. So at Liberty University. I'll probably mention it again. Nope, this will be the last time I mention it because next time yep. it'll be over. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, until next week where you will see us at the same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio and you would like to listen to it again, or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, paratruthradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.